Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Man! Wow, man, freaked out! You're listening to the Brenton on Tour podcast. That's right. He travels the world running concerts and searches for the best coffee, people, and amazing stories so you don't have to. Pay attention, you're going to learn something for a change. This is a show about all of those things and much, much more. You're blowing my mind right now. This is, I hope someone's recording this. So settle in, pour a cup of amazing coffee. He's a coffee snob, by the way. Crank that ghetto blaster and enjoy the 150,000 ranked podcast in the land. Ah, fake laugh. Hiding real pain. I think that's an exaggeration. It's the Brenton on Tour podcast. Any question? Here's BD. And here we are. Another week. It's the Brenton on Tour podcast uh, for Wednesday on the Dean Blundell Network. How's everybody doing out there? Had a lot of engagement last week on my making it topic which, you know, has a broad, broad area that we can cover. But uh, given the fact that I'm in the music industry and I'm surrounded by great people that are either making it, have made it, or trying to make it, uh, I wanted to have some more guests on to talk about this subject and bring some people on that uh, played an integral role in my journey to trying to make it, uh, but also have a great story uh, of their own uh, out there. And who better... Then two great uh, guys in my world and in my life that uh, that helped me along the way, but also um, have great stories and are very, uh, very, very well respected in this business. Two of the best. Uh, one, uh, first and foremost, uh, Dave Fortune, one of the guys that uh, came into my life very early into my journey. Uh, Dave Fortune, hello. How are you? You're uh, one of the first uh, pr- production uh, promoter rep people I ever met in my world. And here we still are 20 some odd years later. Welcome to the show. How are you, buddy? Well, thank you. Nice awesome, to be here. Man. Thanks for having me. And uh, our favorite person in the whole business, really, one of them, one of the one of the greatest guys in the uh, in this fine business of ours, uh, one of the busiest guys on the planet, Mr. Chad Guy. How are you, sir? Welcome to the show. I'm great. What's up, friends? How are you? <laughs> uh, we are. I, I don't deserve. I don't deserve the intro. I don't, I don't deserve the intro at all. Yeah, I mean, the truth comes out. <laughs> you deserve the intro. I like that. You, ab- you absolutely deserve the intro. Uh, so you guys have played an integral role. Dave was the first promoter rep uh, I really met when I started touring so long ago. Um, I think I was doing a show. I did the Starfish Room in Vancouver, um, and Dave was doing the Boston's, I think, at the Commodore Ballroom. And so we were all at the Starfish Room, and I'm still the jury's out who I was working with, whether it was Pete or Daryl Staples. I think it was Daryl, but um, I was over there, and they're like, "Hey, if you guys want to go see the Boston's at the Commodore, uh, just go up there and ask for Dave Fortune." So I went up and asked for Dave Fortune, and next thing you know, we were in there. And then uh, fast forward many tours later, uh, moved to Vancouver, meet Dave, or tell Dave I'm out here, uh, tell Pete Clyde I'm out here. Um, 
they bring me into the world and like my, I guess, oh, late 06, 07. And, uh, and here we are, uh, which in turn brought me into the world of Chad Guy, who was this, you know, who, you know, the first time I think we worked together, Chad, I was probably running on one of your arena shows or something like that. I'm not hundred percent sure. Maybe you came into the office, but, um, yeah, I was in those early phases of me at Live Nation in Vancouver, and, uh, and there's Chad. I'm like, well, this guy is rocking shows. How do I do what he's doing? Because he's way younger than me, and he's rocking it. So, anyways, how are you, buddy? Oh, I wish. I wish I was. I wish I was. You know, the first time we met was Deviate Festival in Saskatoon, and you were tour managing Jay Englishman, and uh, I was playing in a band from Saskatoon That's called Five Minute Miracle. Right. Yeah, I think that was the first time we ever hung out, and I, that was... 98 yeah. 99 absolutely and that was deviate geez that would have been john donnelly too that would have been like no relation everybody oh and we lost dave fortune i don't know where you dave i think he's got the bad internet oh there he is a lot dave's back now dave we lost you but you're back um yeah deviate that would have been a john donnelly production wasn't it yeah right and uh we, we, we had, yeah right on the river bank in saskatoon good yeah you're right and the mighty mighty boss ones headlined it that night going back to the Boston's. Yeah. They headlined that night. Right. And so then from there, it was Jet Set Satellite. It was me. It was yeah. like the Jay Sloan. Sloan. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. There we go. So see Chad even took it even further back. He was like yesterday. Mm -hmm. He was like yesterday. Crazy. How did you two meet? You two, Dave and, uh, uh, Dave and Chad. I met Chad when he was the, uh, he was running the, uh, the theater in, um, in Saskatoon. Regina. We did a yeah, bunch yeah. of shows together, and then I remember doing uh, the Tragically Hip there. We did this tour, and uh, quietly uh, conning him into leaving his role uh, and to come join us uh, in this crazy road world that we do. I don't know if I remember that correctly, though, Chad. Yeah, that was, I think, the time that we had that discussion. I was, uh, I was a musician for years and years and years, and when I moved home and got off the road from playing. Um, Met my, and dancer and my, dancer uh, yeah, yeah. I, I got i'm yeah, pretty nimble sweet. for a big man i've got the moves it's good uh, but uh that whole scenario i met my future wife and we were having a baby and i was absolutely miserable in the in the venue job and i think it was that tragic hit tour that i kind of filled you in on i was looking for anything else and you were kind enough to uh bring me into the house of blues family at the time and that's really for me, that's what it really what I consider the pivotal moment for me getting into this industry and doing what I do now. And I, I've always said I owe Dave a huge debt of gratitude and, and really uh, positioning me to do what I do now. So I'll always be uh, grateful for that moment for sure. Well, I mean, it helped that you knew what you're doing and you're good at your job. So, but it was also just fortuitous timing because at that time was when the music industry was exploding. You know, at that time you know, around, I guess that would have been in and around 2000 or so. Yeah, I made the Sorry, move. It was, it was 2004, 2005 when okay. I started doing House of Blues dates with you, but we were certainly doing shows together. I started at the theater in 99, 2000, somewhere there. I mean, the, the industry into itself just exploded at that time. And, yeah. you know, if you put it into perspective, um, we went from doing 400 or so shows a year in like 98, 99 uh, out of our office to, you know, eight, 900 shows a year out of our office and 1800 shows nationally. Right. Um, so it just, you know, the advent of uh, new musical 
uh, artists, uh, but more more importantly, uh, the advent of different technologies that brought uh, the ability to have more music available at more times. Uh, just it just it, it created a a wave of new opportunities for artists, and we just you know couldn't keep up. So it was a, <laughs> a little bit of drinking from the from the fire hose for a bit there. But so whenever you found somebody like the two of you guys, it was like. Well, this is an easy decision. Yeah. <laughs> Come on board, boys, if you're interested. Come get great, with me in the fire hose. It's a great time in music. I, I talk with Mike and all the buds about that all the time. Uh, how we long for those days again, you know, would give anything to just go catch a couple club shows, you know, this week and have those opportunities to do that again. The pandemic's amplified it, but I mean, that was just a very special time in, in music overall, for sure. What was the, the, the setup? prior to that dave because you were head of production at live nation in vancouver but before that there was i think panther and and our colleague and and mentor ron chamberlain was there there was a there was sort of like was it regional was it like only the calgary people ran calgary show or, or alberta shows what was sort of the 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 layout of the land at least in western canada at that point before we all started going on tour at that point well, it's a, it's a, it's kind of a long story, so I'll try and condense it as best I can. But when I came on board uh, with Panther, so Panther was a company that was based in Vancouver by, run by um, a group of, um, you know, musical professionals that I still consider mentors and friends, a fellow named David James, Brian Lowe, um, Deb Nielsen, and uh, they were nice enough to bring me on board uh, as a promoter rep. They had a contract with MCA Concerts at the time. Uh, and that contract was for all the production services because at those days, promoters didn't really have promoter reps um, and it was easier for them to have uh, uh, you know, another company that managed and maintained all of their production services needs. So uh, that's how I came on board. I was actually the same as you guys. I, I got brought in because of our friend Ron Chamberlain. I was a touring guy as well. I toured with a punk rock band called SNFU and we had done numerous shows in, uh, in Vancouver. Uh, and we had all moved to Vancouver by that time. And uh, Ron was uh, nice enough to say, hey, you know, if you're not doing anything, uh, you're not on the road, uh, you should come and help me out. So I did that. And uh, I remember my first show was at Riches on Richards. I did a Jeff, no, not Jeff Buckley. No, Jeff Buckley. I did Jeff Buckley at Riches on Richards. And uh, kind of the rest was history. I really enjoyed it. My wife really hmm. enjoyed it. The fact that I wasn't going to be away as, for as long as I'd been away. And, uh, you know, it turned into a, um, a contract that turned into a full-time career for me. So it was, it was wonderful. Um, Panther uh, ended up uh, losing the contract, fortuitous for me, because myself and two other gentlemen, uh, Lyle Chasse and uh, Dan Cowan, got brought on board to take care and create a, a, uh, an actual department for MCA, which at that point had become Universal Concerts. And then Universal became House of Blues. And then in 2006, uh, House of Blues got sold to Live Nation. So that's that's the the genesis of it all. Chad, were you uh, at that point, you had gone, you know, you're doing some theater stuff. But what was your first, uh, did you know what a promoter rep was at that point? Because it's, it's a relatively new position, I would say. I mean, it's not like it's been around 50 years. I don't, it's really been something where we're, you, I think you touched on it earlier, Dave, where we're, going out and running shows for people so were you familiar with that gig at that point or was it 
get thrown into the fire and learn like the rest not of as us. much yeah not as much i mean it wasn't really until i started doing shows at the theater that i really got into that world i mean everything leading up to that point was was touring in bands and and you know and we never did much more than you know large festival runs and, and club runs and stuff like that. So it was just always dealing with the club guy or, you know, whoever happened to be dealing with production of the festival or whatever. Um, so really not until that point. And, and it wasn't until I started at the theater and started doing shows with Dave and House of Blues and the different promoters, Jeff Perry and all the guys of that era that you really uh, established those relationships and understood what the, the role of the promoter rep and, and seeing how that, you know, was so crucial in the success of the tour and, and melding all those 30 dates together and, and everything else. That was really my first introduction to it was running, running the theater. It's quite a job. I mean, I, uh, wasn't, you know, I, I'd met Dave, as I said, I met Pete Clyde. I'd met some people along the way, uh, from, um, doing as a tour manager and you're like, Oh man, what a cool gig that is. Like, you know, Rob Warwick out in the burbs, Rob, how are you doing out there? Like those guys that were running all the small markets and everything, it was quite an interesting thing because I had come from being a small time promoter as well in Ontario, Southern Ontario, doing shows for the tea parties. And the, I'm, you know, I wasn't doing anything international, but I'm doing all the Canadian CanCon stuff. And, uh, but me individually running around and putting up posters and doing all the things and doing all my own show, never even thinking for a second to hire somebody to do it for me. <laughs> Cause I'm like, I got to do it all. So to see that gig, meet somebody like Dave, uh, John Donnelly or all these guys and be like, wow, it's, that's a gig. Holy, that's, I want to do that. That sounds like it's going to be a really cool gig, uh, which completely changed my perspective on where I wanted to go with it. So I touched a bit last week on making it and, you know, a little bit about doing Pearl Jam in Toronto and being surrounded by everyone who was there with me uh, on that journey or leading me to the journey, all the people I missed the phone bills for, all the people that I, you know, all the couches I'd slept on, everyone was at that show. And I'm like, I made it, ish, or my version of making it. And then realizing, I, I touched on it, but realizing that I was at the, say, the top of that level and the bottom of the next. <laughs> because there's always somebody that's done more, 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 yep. more, 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 more. So it was a very eye-opening experience for me. So um, part of this thing, I want to kind of get into everyone's definition of making it. What is your definition of making it? So, um, Chad, let me start with you for a minute on as far as like your moment where you had felt like you made it or have you actually made it and you're still going for it? I know it's kind of a two part question, but when was that moment for you where you're like, I think I just made it, I think, you know, there's been so many moments for me. Like it's, I can't pick a defining moment because I don't think, I'll ever feel like I've made it just the way that I'm programmed. Um, there's been so many goals that I've set that I've been fortunate enough to reach um, with the help of people like yourself and Dave and, you know, and every step of the way uh, I have so many great friends and colleagues in this industry and every single one of them have helped me along the way. Um, but I can't say that I feel like I've made it. There's been, every time you crush a goal, you have that satisfaction of crushing that goal. And I, for me, that just leads to the next goal. You know, um, one of my favorite sayings is, uh, I didn't come this far to only come this far. You know <laughs> what I mean? One. Like it's, it's like a, it's an endless, it's an endless path for me. Like I think when I started out as a musician, when you're, when you're 14 years old and you're playing in your first band, all you want to do is get your first gig and you get that first gig and you work and work and work and you get your second gig and you play locally. And all you want to do is tour. So and then you go, 
you know, I grew up in Regina and we're playing here in high school. And then all you want to do is play in Saskatoon because you heard about this great club and you get these opportunities and then you want to record and then you do some demos and then you want to put out a record. And then there's all these little steps, right? And, but I've never, you know, never along the way have I hit one of those goals or accomplished what I set out to do and then just went, great, I've done that. You know, it's always kind of like, well, what's next? What's more? I, when I started working for Dave, it's like my first tour for Dave was a um, Sam Roberts club tour. And so you crush a couple of club tours and then it was like, man, it'd be great to do theater shows, you know? So then you jump up to the theater shows and man, I'd love to do arena dates. You jump to arenas and all of a sudden you do a festival and then you're in, you know, do stadiums and you do, and then you're touring and it just, it just kind of spins off from there. So I'm so fortunate to have had the opportunities that I've had uh, and that I've been given. Um, but it just doesn't like, feel like it'll ever be done. I have so much more I want to do. I love this business and I love the people that I work with. And, uh, it's just each challenge leads to the next challenge. And that's what I really get off on. I just love, you know, the progression of seeing where we're all seeing where we're all at now, 25 years later, seeing where everybody's at seeing what we're accomplishing together and what everyone's doing is just the best. Dave, same question for you. Was there a defining moment for you where either a, you knew this is what you were going to do or B you felt like you would quote unquote made it or set those goals or are you still trying to make it? Um, well, I'll echo uh, what Chad said. I mean, I think one of the defining parts of the music industry is generally speaking, most people in the music industry are doing it because there's an underlying passion for music. Uh, you know, I think we all could have probably gone off and made a ton of money uh doing you know some solace job and and you know made it i guess in that front but uh, we, we we made a decision to come to this industry with no real understanding of what the roles would be or what the uh what the outcomes would become you know we didn't have a job that was going to pay you know, you know a, a pension in 30 years that that was never never an option it wasn't even alluded to so so from that perspective you know being driven by a love of music gives you that sort of like continuous drive to keep doing more and more and, and to improve upon what you've, you've created. So I, I remember I, I played on a hockey team, the, the Panther uh, hockey team. Uh, it was run by a, a lot of, it was a bunch of musicians on it. And my old boss, Mark Norman was on that team. And I remember doing a skate for the warm up, and Mark basically offered me the job uh, to help him create the, uh, to create the uh, the department and i was like okay i think i just made it <laughs> it was my first salary job in years it was amazing so and then you just kind of you keep on transitioning and, and building on that and building on that and building on that so i mean it's a never-ending cycle i think that the people who uh are are satisfied with that end um are doomed to fail within this industry because again there's never been any mm-hmm. sort of real true guarantees given to anybody chad you you talked about uh, goals and um some of the things that you went after and i i think you touched on it really well from the standpoint of oh i want to do you know you start in clubs and then you want to do theaters and then you want to do arenas and then you want to do stadiums and then we all just want to go back to theaters right <laughs> so you kind of do all this sort of stuff now you uh we didn't quite dive into um what you individually do, which I'd like to get into for a second, your production manager, tour accountant. Um, I'll let you kind of give off your resume on that side, but amongst that goal in that journey that you were going after and setting goals, um, 
what was that first moment then where you're like, wow, I did it. Like I pulled off a stadium show. What was that first feel good moment for you where you really felt like you had the job dialed in, but also that like you got this, but you also hit that goal at that same time. Do you remember that show or an in, in, individual moment of that? Uh, probably much like you, like doing the hometown shows were always a big deal for me because you're um, coming from a city this small. It's a very tight community. You know, I started uh, helping with stadium shows for Live Nation, you know, in 2008, 2009, ACDC. Um, I did a Bon Jovi thing for AEG in 2010. Um, I think the stadium dates in my hometown were kind of that defining moment where you're walking through this. And in, in, in a city like Regina, I mean, there's only 350,000 people here. And you walk through a sold-out stadium show and you know every other person. I mean, it, and it's just to have that kind of... Um, just that recognition and, and seeing, you know, those shows. I mean, I remember the first stadium show we ever had here was in Stones and it was uh, long before I was kind of involved at the level that I am now and, and just seeing that production and, and, and seeing, you know, it, just not even being able to wrap my head around it and what it takes to put off, pull off a production like that or be involved with that. So uh, at that time, it was satisfying, of course, to do those stadium shows in your hometown. And then it was also satisfying to do it at the Meadowlands in New Jersey and do the Bon Jovi hometown show where we did, I think it was 11 or 12 shows or, or whatever in a row on that run as their hometown stand and, and those kinds of things. And for me, it's always, I, I'm such a nerd for music and live music. It's, you know, reading the album liners or, you know, um, playing at historic venues, you know, for me, I, you know, I played the Bercy in Paris or you play the O2 in London or you do the download festival or you play Sweden rock or all these festivals that you grew up following as a kid. And uh, these venues that you saw your, you know, read about your favorite bands playing at, you know, um, live at the Bodicon. And I mean, you know, and, and to me, the first trip to a new country and a new market, it was always really special. The first time I went to Japan or the free, you know, those kinds of things were, were landmark moments for me, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, not that those were ever specific goals, but again, just like Dave mentioned, being such a fan of music and such a fan of live performance and, and reading the album liners and reading the liner, the liner notes and, and being that kid that studied all that. And then to go play in that venue, you know, 25 years later and do those things those are those are big moments for me yeah for sure I, it's amazing how the venues become the the celebrity really <laughs> you know everyone talks about uh we oh you must meet all these bands and and it must be amazing to be around these bands and i'm like bands can be a pain in the ass you know who's not a pain in the ass wembley Walking around, <laughs> Wembley's not a pain in the ass. Wembley's just huge, but it's on the list. So it's for me, the venue becomes the the rock star to me. At least is having an opportunity to yeah, to, I mean, to, to add. That's the bucket list, right? Right. It's like yeah. uh, add this many O twos and this many Mad Madison Square Gardens. I kind of I I sort of break it down for me mentally as like, um, hey, I've got this many Pearl Jam shows. I really need ten more to get to this number, <laughs> or I've got. Uh, you know, this many O2s, I need, you know, that's awesome. Or I've got this many. So for me, it's kind of moved into venue perspective and gig perspective to your, to your point, Chad, uh, Dave, same question to you, as far as, you know, your, your, your feel good, sort of like, I got this moment. This was an awesome experience to be a part of. Um, well, I have, uh, actually a recent experience, um, you know, and it, it's funny when you, uh, 
when you mentioned this topic and the idea of making it, um, I think that the, you know, again, you know, we're so Canadian. Sorry, I, I don't know if anyone on your podcast knows, but all three of us are Canadians. So we, we have Canadian attributes to us. And, you know, I, I can't, it's hard to, you know, hard to be modest about certain things. But um, there was a moment this summer where, you know, coming out of the pandemic, uh, there were, you know, certain moves that are being made by uh, promoters, in particular Live Nation, where they were scrambling to get shows up. Um, and I was able to uh, benefit from that because, uh, again, they hadn't planned on staffing some of these tours. And I was able to, well, luckily enough i guess my making it moment is, is that our friend ron chamberlain called in a, a bit of a stir to say hey what are you doing right now and can you help us out um we've got a stadium tour that's up and it's basically sold out and we need somebody to go out and do it for us so i guess from that moment i was like yeah okay great oh and where is it <laughs> oh i get to go to a show at dodger stadium and, and wrigley field Okay, I'm in. Oh, <laughs> so, um, it was a pretty good feel good moment. You know, again, you know, we struggle with um, relevance and we struggle with, um, you know, a bit of ego as well. Sometimes coming out of the pandemic, it's like, okay, what's going to happen next? And when the phone rings and, you know, you're considered for these types of experiences, it's a uh, it's a nice feel good moment for sure. Yeah, I, I think that perspective of just getting the call is is a very good point, Dave. I think that... Uh, you know, we want to stay working, but in that particular uh, situation, it's like we need 10 stadiums banged out real fast. And who can we call at any point that can do that? That comes down to training. It comes down to, you know, what we've been through. And it starts at that club level. It's amazing how the similarities between the club level and the stadium where you still got parked trucks, you still have to put people in the building and out and all the rest of it. And it's funny when new promoter reps are coming along and they look at the big perspective and they go, oh my God, I'm going to do five years at the media club or five years at, at this little, at the district or something. And it's like, yeah, but it all goes to the same it all goes into the same pile and it's just a bigger media club <laughs> down there. I always used to say, I always used to say that the club shows are generally some of the harder shows you'll ever do. I was just going to say, part because, yeah, because you're all by yourself and uh, you know, you're the one who's responsible for problem solving. Whereas in a stadium, generally speaking, you have a, an entire staff of really dedicated, well-trained people who are working at those said stadiums who are equal to the task of any sort of problem solving. So, you know, you get into a club situation and it's absolutely the best place to learn anything and everything because you, you, you're doing the settlement, you're doing the catering, you're doing the security in some respects, you know, maybe not as much these days, but back in the day, boy, there's a few times I had to jump into the pit to help out. Um, and these are just, you know, lessons learned over the years. And I don't think that that changes. That's not a that's not a 1994 problem uh, as opposed to a 2021 problem. I think that those things will always be something that we can from glean from. Chad, uh, agree. Yeah. You did a lot of clubs and theaters on that. You know. Yeah. hundred percent. I joke about that all the time. Like you, it's funny to me that you get to stadium level or you get to, you know, you're touring all over the world and, you know, um, and, and you look back, I remember, you know, doing, you know, you do a show at the bird in Winnipeg, 
and you get on the plane, you fly in, you rent the car, you go to the liquor store, you go to the grocery store, you buy the rider, you do all that, you cruise to the club, you unload everything, set up the dress room, set up the catering, you know, on top of doing all the production duties and everything else. And, you, and again, it, at the absolute best learning ground to to really wrap your head around what we do now on, on the larger scale and, and appreciate what it takes to do that. And I loved every minute of it. Um, it's funny that the, 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 the parallels between the two, <laughs> especially when you're, you know, I, I want to get to passing on some advice to people as far as breaking into our side, which is a very common question, which is why I kind of started this side of things about making it and breaking in. I get asked a lot about how do we make it and how do we break in? And again, everyone has their definition of making it. Chad, you and I both started in bands, Dave, you know, we, uh, we all, we're all musicians here. Chad's, uh, you know, and we all started in with this perspective of probably going to be a rock star first. Uh, Chad made it further along than I did as far as, you know, uh, that that's. I mean, I'm just going to say just for the record on this, not to cut you off, but I was a band guy with musicians. I learned very early that my level of mediocrity as far as guitar playing uh, was never going to be a career. <laughs> But I knew how to get the the van from point A to point B, so I, I was able to figure it out early enough. Thank God. Yeah, and and we all kind of, I was in that, and I was I had grand plans of playing big stages and doing the whole thing. But then I the the logistics and the nuts and bolts became much more intriguing to me, uh, you know. Eventually, uh, even though Dave and I still play in the greatest cover band of all time, um, you know, we play once every twelve <laughs> years, and it's great. But um, it's fun to play, but it's it's certainly fun to play in the logistics side. Chad, you got a big gig right now. You you've had a big gig for a few years. Um, you do it a little different than Dave and I. Dave and I on the promoter rep and tour director side. But um, give us the uh, the Chad guy right now because you're super busy with one of the busiest bands on the planet. Yeah, I was lucky enough to hook up years ago with Team. Um, I think it was initially a Motley Crue tour that started it off, but um, my good friend Robert Long uh, was production managing Motley and we developed a relationship when I was a Live Nation guy and I did all their tours and stuff in Canada for years and uh, they also do Kiss and we kind of rolled for a couple of years just doing Motley into Kiss, Motley into Kiss and uh, there was an opportunity that came up I think 2015 or 2016 um, for me to jump on the Kiss tour, uh, leave the promoter side and uh, hop over to the band side and become their tour accountant and um which has been absolutely great. And to see that side of it now and kind of give me the full 360 uh, experience in the business and spent, like I said, so many years as the promoter rep. And now to uh, really dive into the artist side has been incredible. I love a great challenge and I've loved every second of it. And um, so it's been years with those guys already. And we, uh, at June, January 30th of 19, we did the very first show of their end of the road world tour. So we're plowing through their, current farewell tour not like the farewell tour dave did years ago but um <laughs> uh it, it was a you know looking back on that thinking of when you asked about if there's a moment where i thought i made it it was funny because um dave has a photo that he often makes his facebook profile picture of him standing in front of uh ace and peter uh backstage in vancouver i think that was new year's eve 2000 correct me if i'm wrong for their initial farewell tour forever ago um and uh, as soon as I got that job with them, I immediately thought of that picture because that was always 
you know, as a young promoter rep and still doing smaller shows, I'd look at that picture on Dave's profile and just go, man, you know, working with Kiss, how cool would that be, right? And uh, and then getting that job and, and becoming one of their guys and, and was kind of a full circle moment of seeing that picture uh, originally. But, um, but yeah, it's been absolutely great. So, with you know, we should have been done last July. If the pandemic didn't happen, we would have been wrapped up and on to something else now. But um, we just finished uh, another North American leg here uh, at the end of October and, you know, hoping for the rest of the world to catch up and open up so that we can kind of continue on and, and get this tour wrapped up for the guys. But um Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I find it fu- uh, I find it yeah, funny, doing- Chad, that you're talking about a, a, um, a, a photo that Dave posted about, you know, New Year's, um, and it comes back to liner notes and reading albums and all the rest of it, right? So you're like, oh, man, wouldn't that be nice to work with Kiss one day? And then here you are working with Kiss, or it's like, wouldn't it be nice to do Wembley one day, or wouldn't it be yeah. nice to do this? Uh, and there you are. And I think it really harkens back to what we were talking about as far as, like, you're working with arguably – you know, largest band in the world production wise, at least, you know, uh, people will fight all day long about, you know, stones versus this versus whatever people are going to have their suggestions, but you're working with arguably one of the biggest bands in the planet from a production wise that started at, you know, you started at doing club shows for Dave and, and, and moving up and, and we're all sort of in that, that world and it never changes. And that's something I want people that are listening and watching to take away from this is that like Chad is there and he's still trying to make it or quote unquote, he's still always searching for the, you know, the, the, whatever the next perspective you did. I think the first real pandemic show in Saudi Arabia with kiss and people were watching, what are you doing for COVID testing and all the rest of it? So anyone watching, anyone watching is going to go like, Oh man, Chad made it. He's working with Kiss. He did Saudi Arabia. It's like the Chad's still still adding things to his to his levels, and it's very interesting that that perspective that Dave puts that that thing up, and you still get a kick out of watching looking at that picture. And that's hilarious to me. Yeah, I feel super fortunate to be able to learn from old school guys like that. Like in the same way that I was fans of bands, I'm also a nerd for great production managers. I'm also a nerd for you know tour managers uh, and these people that you work with once or you want to work with, you know? Um, and, and for me to learn from guys like Doc McGee and Gene and Paul, uh, these guys invented big rock touring, you know, I, the education I got working for Dave and, and being a promoter rep was absolutely invaluable. And but again, I got the full 360 view of that for me to now be on the artist side and the business has changed so much, but to, 
work with these guys every day and deliver what they need with their 70s, 1970s, and 80s kind of mentality on the touring business and the way that they've done things for 50 years on the road and kind of be able to be the conduit between that and the business today has been really interesting for me. I love uh, the biggest challenge of my life, for sure, especially doing my role because I'm I'm kind of doing dual roles. There's a production management and the tour accounting side uh, to an act that big. Um, All of us out there, our team's pretty small and we do multiple acts, so we all do you know, two or three full-time jobs out there. But I mean, to be able to learn the business from that, I'm just such a fan of the business, you know? And Mm. so it's been cool. And I get off on everything that I've learned and experienced kind of doing both sides. And and again, working for guys that have been in the business for 50 years and created what we do in this huge arena and stadium tour, you know, the big rock spectacle and, uh, and and to be doing the Dubai thing last New Year's Eve was Dubai. We played New Year's Eve last year. and, And again, Long before vaccines, uh, in the middle and the height of a pandemic, you know, we're all getting on planes and flying all over the world and, and doing shows and doing it safely and uh, all those things. I mean, opportunities like that would only come with a band like Kiss, and I've been like super fortunate to to be a part of all that for sure. No pun intended that you've been fortunate, Dave. Um, did you have that moment <laughs> of like looking at someone's Facebook profile and going, oh man, that would have been great to work with them. And then you ended up working with them. I don't know if Facebook was around then, but. <laughs> oh yeah. No, no. And, and I keep coming back to Ron Chamberlain, but I was uh, fortunate enough to get uh, brought onto uh, the uh, site crew for uh, Metallica. Um, at uh, No, sorry. Yeah, no, I'll say Metallica. No, uh, sorry, I should know this stuff. I don't. Uh, Lollapalooza. And I, I literally spent um, a week just hustling, you know, power cable around and putting up fence and, uh, you know, putting up tents and stuff like that. And it was it was awesome. I loved it. I loved every moment of it. And I thought, oh, you know, this would be something that I'd actually kind of enjoy doing, you know, for a guy that was like a university grad who didn't know what he wanted to do and kind of hated the job that he had at the time. I was working as a publicist, believe it or not, for uh, for uh, an independent record company called Cargo. And uh, I just uh, I just didn't, I couldn't do it anymore. It was terrible. And uh, at that point, I was like, this this could be pretty cool. I, I, I could do this. And then that turned into um, our relationship, obviously, uh, getting to know Ron pretty well and the guys from Panther pretty well, David James in particular. You know, we keep talking about mentorship here a little bit, but I think that it's important from the making it perspective that if you're going to start off and get into anything, um, to find people that you can kind of point north towards, uh, you know, and, and you guys have been very kind in your your assessment of my skill sets. Um, but I, you know, I learned everything from David David James and Dave Clark, uh, who and you know people like Barb McDougall and you know the real trailblazers uh, who figured who truly figured it out. You know, when we were first starting out, they did everything, and but more importantly, they did it right yeah. with the right intentions, and uh, you know. I remember when I first became a promoter rep, it was still sort of a dirty word uh, to be a promoter. Promoters were not really what you would consider the most um, ethical, mm-hmm. <laughs> should I say, you know, and there was still some shenanigans happening. You know, um, my my early tour days with, in the punk rock world were, you know, riddled with stories of, you know, like I, I've had guns pulled on me in, at settlements and, you know, had to chase the promoter to his house to get paid, that kind of stuff. It was just like, you know, 
it just it, there was times where it was just like what are we doing here this sucks um but when you come across people who are you know principled and, and have ethics and you know and and really just truly want to do things for the right reasons it's easy to you know to you know to uh set your targets on on people like that and i don't think that that's changed today i you know the music industry you know to both of your points has changed so much in the last 30 years 20 years in particular uh that it's it really has become far more um um uh, I keep coming to the word principle, but it, it really is more just it's the business side has taken over, which is a good thing in a lot of ways. Um, you know, and there's still lots of people out there who are doing it for the right reasons uh, with the right people involved. And I think that's where you point your you point yourself towards and you'll and you'll get through it. I said know, on the last it. show that, that I that I always felt like uh, it's 95 percent business and 5 percent music and people will scrap me on it. But I'm like. Yeah, but think about the music portion of it. You're only on stage for two hours. The rest of the time, it's the business. We got to go to press. We got to do this. How many albums did we sell? How many tickets did we sell? Da -da 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 -da. Business, 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 business. Okay, we're going to forget business for two hours, go on stage and play. And the second I'm off the deck, Chad, you gave me a great Bon Jovi story a couple of years ago about merch. About and He called down. I don't know if Gene still does that, but I've heard Gene calls down. How'd we do on merch? I heard Bon Jovi called down and was like, what'd we do? We'll put those hats down. It's business all the time, right? And that's 5% yeah. music. So I think, you know, maybe it's 90-10, but I like to go 95-5 because that's what I've seen anyways. So um, that 5% is so powerful though, right? It's that 5%. It's that one song lyric that the person bought the ticket for. And we've all been in the middle of the giant crowd and felt what that feels like and it's all stems from that emotional connection that people have to that music mm -hmm. and the rest of that the other 95 percent wouldn't be there if the music didn't mean anything right you know um, so it almost makes it 50 50 well, but the the perspective of actually what we do or you you and i we all see it <laughs> you know my moment yeah. uh for me that uh that i do and i'm not sure what you guys have uh personally per show if there's something that you you know, I got to get a set list or I've got to get this or I've got to get that. Uh, I take a ticket stuff from each show. I'm not sure if you guys take anything away from a show. But for me, I've never missed the beginning of any show I've ever done the headliner. Don't often get out for the for the support. I will do my best. I'm always out kind of walking around in the building. But I literally make sure I'm in the house when the house lights go out. And I've never missed that I decided when I was actually sick and missed a show for once, but I've never missed the beginning of the headliner set because those lights going out and everyone losing their mind is that moment for me where we've all worked at our job to make sure that this show happens for people, but everyone in the building is getting exactly what they want at that moment. And that rarely happens in any kind of job. We get that every single, we get that a hundred times a year where everyone's getting that moment. Yeah. Everyone's getting a Stanley Cup presentation. Their team wins the Stanley Cup at every show we do because when the lights go out, they get that moment. And the other thing to that is people forget that some people have never been to a concert before and that's their first concert they've ever been to or it's the only show they're ever going to go to because it's all they could afford. So that moment, every single night, somebody's getting exactly what they want. And it's very it's it's something that that I personally do every single show. Um, I'm not sure what you guys do, but um, I'll let you touch on that if you want. But the um, we touched a bit on the making it and the journey side of it. So keeping in mind with that theme of people asking us all the time, how do we make it and what do we do? We've got 
the three of us have all done the same job, but Chad, you're, you're off to do, you know, tour accounting and production management. Now, um, what is your, you know, advice to pass on to these young kids or anyone that's coming out? That's like, how do I do what you do, Chad? How do I do what you do, Dave? What is your advice? Let's go with Chad first, as far as like, what would you tell them to do to, to streamline that process for them? Uh, learn from everybody that you come across listen more than you talk and outwork everybody i mean that was kind of i was really fortunate that i had a father that taught me about hard work and work ethic and he was an entrepreneur his whole life and you know showed me the value of hard work from the get-go and that's something that i spend so much time instilling in my kids now um because i see a bit of a lack of that now um but i mean that's been everything to me is the and I think that's a Canadian thing. I think that's a bit of a prairie thing too, that farm boy kind of mentality where it's just like you'll outwork anyone if that's what it takes, you know? Um, and and for me, the biggest thing, and I still carry it forward and, and what means the most to me, I think, uh, and uh, it, it means the most to me in this business and that's what fulfills me and satisfies me more than anything is that it's all relationships. And it's the relationships and the friendships I have with everyone in this business now that I find to be the most satisfying. Um, and it's those relationships and those uh, being a man of your word and, and being an honorable person and, and just working hard and being there for people and not, you know, not letting people down. And, and those things will elevate your career as you move forward, because it's, it is about who, you know, and it is about the connections that you have and all of those relationships lead to new opportunities and, and to new things. And, um, to me, that's probably the most important one, but just, just work ethic and, and, and absolutely absorb and learn from everyone that's around you and, um, and just protect your relationships. There's a good example of that. Cause the three of us have all been together for, tw- you know, we've all been working together for off and on 20 plus years. I mean, the first tour manager I ever met was Fabrizio. <laughs> And we're all together. It's, small it's, happy, right? it's a small business. We're all together. Yeah. And then the first promoter rep is Dave. And then Chad, you and I share a, share mm-hmm. a festival, you as an artist, but me, you know, as a tour manager and here we're doing the same thing. Dave, same thing uh, to you talking to somebody that's coming up to you and saying, Dave, how do I, how do I do it? Cause you've had to mentor me, Chad, you've had to teach all of us how to do this gig through the people that taught you how to do the gig. So what do you pass on to them when you're leading the charge? Well, again, uh, echoing my friend Chad's point, it's just hard work. Um, you know, the world comes to you if you work for it. Um, and generally speaking, um, it's a, it can be a, a brutal industry to get into because it filters out people who just aren't interested in giving, you know, everything they've got. Um, for what it's worth, though, uh, it can start at the club level. You, you can volunteer to take on a ticketing job or become a runner. Um, you know, for those who don't know what that is, but there we will hire somebody who has a car or a license uh, to drive a, a van, and and we'll drive around town and get things that are required for the day. Um, uh, you know, or PA. You know, again, the jobs that I was doing in the early '90s are the same jobs today. You know. These shows don't come together uh, by magic. You know, there's a lot of uh, little bits and pieces. You know, people I know, like you, Brent, who were, you know, on the upper edge of hustling as well in a good way, uh, you know, having a furniture business, you know, because we knew that we had stadium shows that needed furniture. 
you know, all these types of bits and pieces come together and, and, uh, you know, and it's, it's pretty easy and pretty quick, you know, especially for the shows that I do, which are a little bit bigger, uh, in scale, uh, to, to see the shining lights, you know, and you can go that person right there. She's amazing. You know, we need to give her a shot. Um, and then, or give them an opportunity to, to expand their role, uh, and have them have higher levels of responsibility and, you know, and generally speaking, your intuitions can be pretty strong on this stuff. I know my intuitions are pretty strong. I, I've, I've been able to scout people for some time. Um, and, you know, in, inevitably, yeah, I've had a few, I've had a few really wrong turns, <laughs> but for, for the great majority, I've found some pretty great people uh, to work with. And, and now, you know, uh, these people are excelling, you know, uh, across North America. It's been wonderful to see too. It's quite something to see. And then, you know, Chad's point about the Canadian side, I just saw our, our, our friend Paul Merckx this weekend. I haven't seen him for a long, long time. He lives uh, in Lund, British Columbia, on a beautiful piece of land. And he had watched um, my my uh, show from last week and had kind of asked me about my version of making it and, and kind of what it meant. But he was also like, is it a Canadian thing that why everyone works so hard? Or are you guys like... Because I'm, I'm noticing a real difference, and I'm like, I think so. It, it gets touched on a lot. Our, our 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 friend Brent Fitz, he talks about playing with Slash and then being out there on tour, and then meeting Canadians around the world, and then meeting people from around the world. Going, there's something about you Canadians, and I don't. If I could, if I could jump in on this one, because I have a pretty sure. decent theory about this, but you know, for an awful lot of people in the music industry, um, they live in communities that are close to others. Now, if you live in Nashville, it's a four hour drive to pretty much every um, major city on the East Coast. Um, but for us on the prairies and for you in Ontario, you lived in Northern Ontario. I mean, hey, let's get in the van and let's drive for 12 hours to the next gig. Yeah. And that wasn't even a thing that you would concern yourself about. It's like, oh yeah, no, sure, Calgary's next, let's go. You know, and then we're gonna drive three hours to Edmonton. And then we're gonna drive you know, four hours to get to Saskatoon and then an hour to hour and a half to, yeah, I mean, these, these conversations weren't even daunting. They didn't even stop us. And, you know, a large part of our training, the three of us came from people like, you know, Raleigh O'Connor, who was a promoter who would just like load up the car or the van. And in some cases, Riley was, was loading up all the rigging gear he needed to do these shows in these, you know, crazy small towns. But it was just like, hey, you know, see any felony, you're going to go do it. Uh, so I think that that is one of the things that's defining about Canadians uh, in industry. But I, I, I'll disagree that it's not uh, that it's a unique uh, principle thing because uh, you know again, it's a bit of this and it's a bit of that. I, I, I agree to the prairie hard work thing uh, is a is a thing there too. But uh, you know, I've seen some pretty hardworking people who come from you know some pretty tough parts of town, and uh, I think it just comes back to. Um, my opinion is the passion for the music and being able to share that experience. And, you know, again, I want to circle back to something you said, Brent, which I 100% agree with. My favorite moment of every show um, is that first note of the headlining act. And, you know, I, I, you know, it's a, I have two jobs generally I want to do. I want to make sure that everything is okay in the audience. I want to make sure that there's no, you know, things that need to be addressed quickly but i also just feed off of that energy and inevitably i'm not watching the band uh for the first three songs i'm watching the crowd because 
you know, what we do is unique, you know, we get to invite people into a space for, you know, four or five hours a day. And for that moment, we're creating memories mm-hmm. that will last a lifetime. We have uh, a unique experience, whereas, you know, somebody in that room that night is going to have their favorite experience of all time. And, you know, that's a unique thing. You don't get that in film. You don't get that in TV. You don't get that in any other entertainment environment. You know, we're, we're super lucky on that front. Agree. Uh, both of you with great jobs, both of you with um, loads of experience have trained shit tons of people, um, but still chasing it and going after it. Chad, anything left on the list or is it about venues now? Is it about just getting the call? Uh, are you settled into a nice little groove and it's going to be this, or is there something left on your list that you haven't actually accomplished that yet? Yeah, I'm not done. I, I don't, I don't know exactly what that is. I, I really love the artist side. I'm really enjoying it. Um, you know, for me, I, I love the experience that I've had uh, with kiss and look, you know, forward to finishing that up and, and, and seeing what's next. I think it's kind of like, the idea of what's next and not knowing what that is, is, is kind of the attraction right now and what that could possibly or potentially be um, chasing that next thing. You know, it's, I, I admit I'm probably addicted to the hustle a little bit. I'm addicted to, you know, seeing what's next. And, um, but yeah, it, it is about, you know, for me now, I think touring is, has become after all these years, it's become more about reconnecting with, my friends all over the world. And I love the fact that I can go, you know, I have all these promoter friends and venue friends all over the world. And, you know, you've got a favorite restaurant in every city you go to and you have a favorite hotel and you have, there's familiarity for me around the world. I'm, I'm getting off now on showing my kids and traveling with my kids. Um, they're going to uh, come to Europe at the end of our European leg this summer with my folks. And we're going to tour around Europe for a couple of weeks and they're, they're super into it and, you know, showing them the world and having those opportunities is, uh, through what I do is, is really cool for me, that idea. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is just about experiences for me now more than anything. And again, I don't have specific artists in mind or whatever, but I, I love what we do. I, I really do. I love touring. I love the people. I love my crew. Um, I love the camaraderie and the family aspect of this. And, um, it is family to me I and mean, you guys are like brothers to me and that will always be the way that it is. And there's just so many people that, um, we interact with and count on every day. And, and, uh, I, I wouldn't trade any of it for the world. So I'm, I'm excited to see what's next for all of us really. You know? Do you have a bucket list artist? Not really. I mean, I, I want to work with good people, mm-hmm. you know, I, mm-hmm. it's not even so much about the music. I want to, I want to, I want to work and, and tour with good people and, and have these shared experiences together. And I think I can get the same, you know, I think I can get the same buzz. Like Dave talks about that excitement of the crowd and this and that. It's not, all, you know, I could be any artist of any genre. I think if we're all in there pulling together, mm-hmm. I, I get off on more of the, putting the puzzle together and the logistics and all that kind of stuff. That's my jam more than having to work with the foods or some specific artist or pick a, pick somebody. It it doesn't really matter. You know, I love the challenge. I love hard shit and I love figuring it out. I mean, I love that satisfaction of, of getting to the top of the mountain, you know, and figuring out how to get there together and do it safely. And, you know, it's quite addicting. um, It really is. It is, man. And there's an, yeah. there's an adrenaline uh, rush involved yeah. with that. There's the satisfaction. It's the most satisfying thing I've ever 
done in my life. It really is. I mean, taking it from nothing and putting a tour together from the ground up, which is what I've loved from the artist side, jumping over, like being involved mm. with the tour from the ground up from design to implementation to building a tour from nothing. And then, uh, seeing it go around the world and, and succeeding at it and doing a good job and working with great people has been the most rewarding thing ever. Sure. Dave, same question. I yeah, still don't question. know. Oh, hold on. I have to speak because it's like, uh, Chad, I still don't know how you fit kiss into Mansfield, by the way. <laughs> it's an absolute marvel to me. So impressive. Didn't I hear? I literally, oh, I literally uh, called Chad as we were loading in our show at Mansfield, and I was like, "How did you do it?" I <laughs> wasn't somebody trying to do a Kiss show in Whistler a few years ago. Maybe Chad, you told me this story, but somebody was trying to do a Kiss show privately or something in Whistler, and I heard rumblings that they were like well, it's going to cost this much money. And whoever it was that was trying to put the show on had said, well, isn't there like a mini version of kiss or isn't there like a mini right. version of this show? And Gene had said something along the lines of no, <laughs> like it's gotta be the whole thing or something. Yeah. I mean, there's that joke that it's every light every night. Right. So it's, I mean, <laughs> we have, we have to deliver as much production as we can every day. And, and that is the challenge. But it was interesting. They started that whole leg in Mansfield. Like, if it's the smallest venue right out of the gate, and you know, the rest were easy after that. It's like once we got through that first show, the rest seemed like a piece of cake. But uh, yeah, I mean, in, in my years with them, I've done two shows on five seven fives, which is uh, for those who don't know, it's one of the mobile stages. It's one of the larger stage line mobile stages they have. But for what our show is and the weight and the and the production value and that kind of stuff, it's uh, those are some challenging days to still pull off. Cause I mean, kiss let's, you know, face it, kiss needs the production aesthetic. It's, it's all about the show. It's all about the production and the gag mm -hmm. and everything else. So, uh, we pull that stuff every, you know, every day we could be in a field in China and we still got to fly Paul over the audience to front. I mean, <laughs> we got to figure this stuff out no matter where we have to be. Right. So it's, uh, I love that stuff. I love those challenges and, and working together to figure it out. And, uh, it's just, coolest job I've ever had. Dave, what's uh, left, anything left on your list or specifically you want to try to get to? Well, you know, it's funny. Um, I'm at a point in my career now where it's like, you know, and again, this kind of underpins your, your question of uh, making it, uh, you know, there's a point where you come to a, a crest and you think, Oh, I've done everything. I've seen everything. I, there's nothing that can surprise me. And then, you know, all of a sudden something surprises you and, and takes you to a new level. I, you know, I, I took this stadium run this past summer um, and, uh, you know, loved every minute of it with just an amazing group of people, um, which was, uh, was, was, you know, it's a nice revelation. You know, the, the fact that I was that lucky to drop into a group of people who, you know, I'd consider friends for years now. Um, yeah, it's wonderful. Um, band was called Aventura. I'd never even heard of them. And then all of a sudden I'm in Miami doing their show and, uh, yeah, amazing. So, uh, hard to say what's uh, around the corner. Thankfully I'm at a point in my life where I can enjoy life and, mm -hmm. um, have a little bit more of a, a relaxed approach to things. Um, uh, you know, going back out on tour with bands in the new year, uh, haven't been assigned an artist yet, but, yeah, ready to go. I think, I think you both touched on the importance of people on this show and we'll wrap now, but um, it's really, really important 
And I touched on it last week that the people you meet on the way up, the same people you meet on the way down, same, same, same. Here's an example. Three guys that that uh, have been working together off and on in some capacity for 20 some odd years. Um, and I'm not 100% sure what other, what other um, industries allow that. Because sometimes, you know, if you go into factory work, if you go into this or that, you, you settle in and that's kind of what it is. In our particular case, Chad, you touched on, you know, the people are the game for you. Having those dinners in... Portugal and having people, you know, having people like access to those people, that really is uh, what this is about. It's maintaining relationships and doing it. And the fact that we're all together after 20 plus years, I think proves that. Um, and you guys have been amazing teachers for me and um, and a really great guest today. And I really appreciate both of your time to be on here uh, telling your story and helping me tell other stories to people about uh, trying to make it and what their version of making it is is it feasible is it an option do we have a, a ceiling jury's out but uh, two guys here that are consistently are building levels on their house and is awesome to see so where can everybody find you online there mr guy and i'll let you go i'm more of an instagram guy i think see some photos from the road see lots of pictures of my kids uh just give me a follow there yeah i try to document the road life and home life and all that good stuff so uh, this has been awesome, man. It's been awesome to talk with you guys. I miss y'all. Yeah, likewise. David, where can people find you online, sir? Well, you know, again, uh, Instagram is where I live. Again, like Chad, you can see some of the shows that I've done on Instagram. At, well, it's right there. Oh, wait. Right there. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, always a pleasure to chat with you guys. I love both of you guys. Um, a little bit easier with saying I love you, uh, especially uh, coming out of the pandemic. So, um, gents, Always appreciate you. I love you, man. That's how it goes. This has been the Brenton on Tour podcast for another week, uh, continuing with a series of making it to guys that most would think have made it, but are still out there doing it. And it's changing daily, weekly, yearly. We all have different versions of what our version of making it is. Please join me next week, everybody. It is the Brenton on Tour podcast. BrentonOnTour.com for all episodes, wherever you need to get uh, your podcast from, you can catch me there. And uh, please uh, come back next week, tell your friends, and uh, maybe we'll be able to instruct you a little bit on how to make it. Not sure. Thanks, everybody. What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's take this outside. A new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover. I speak to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature, how it affects their performance and everyday life. Let's take this outside. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at letstakethisoutside.ca. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com.